so good. You can be seated, and as you're getting seated, uh, I'm excited to, uh, that you're here. If you're a visitor with us this morning, we just want to welcome you. Let's welcome all our visitors. Amen. Come on. Give our visitors a hand. It is good to see you. Thank you for the coffee crew that's here early. Come on, give them a hand, right? Amen. Okay, it's our second Sunday. Thank you, my friend. And we are still perfecting that, and those crews have been training. Uh, sure. And uh, they are training uh, and teaching and trying to move through it. We want to remind you, though, uh, they would like to stop taking orders at 9.45 a.m. so that everybody can be in the service at 10 a.m. Um, uh, to start worship service. And so just remember that as you're coming. Get here a few minutes early. You have more reason to get here early than just the coffee uh, or whatever little frou-frou drink you're drinking. Hello, somebody. Fellowship. Talk to someone, pray with someone, right? Spend some time, learn about people's lives. Uh, it's an excellent time uh, to, to just uh, have some moments to fellowship and those things. So we'll keep pushing it, and uh, we really appreciate your faithfulness to it. Um, and uh, we just believe God is going to grow it. All of the profits are going towards our scholarship fund, so it's an incredible opportunity to be here. Um, I've got a couple of guys who are helping me with some things this morning, so uh, they're going to be setting up some things. I don't know if we found that ladder or not, Mr. Taylor, but if we didn't, we're going to move right on. Here he comes. Thank you. Give Mr. Taylor a hand here. He, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Taylor Wells, is, uh, he's our Vanna White today. A anyway, she, maybe not. Uh, Y'all like dominoes? Where did Eddie go? Anyway. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. So good to be in the house of the Lord and uh, to continue in this sermon series that the Lord has uh, been prepping for a little while in my spirit and as an eldership team just talking about what we feel like God is speaking to us as we always do this renewing our vision series and um, we just see what God has for us. Now, this, this morning, as you turn to Matthew chapter 12, um, I've titled this series, Win the Day, because again, I don't believe that the vision of the church is accomplished without the gifting of individuals. And I also, I, I do believe that the church is for today. I do believe that there is an incredible reason why the church, the body of Christ, is still on planet Earth. And they may overlook us, they may try to do away with us, they may uh, try to demean us as the body of Christ, but you need to understand how valuable you are and what God is doing. The body, this is our time. Everybody say it's our time. Our time. Thank you. And uh, this is the time that God has called us to press in. And never has there been a more powerful opportunity for you to realize that in this time, you matter, your gift matters, where you belong matters, where God calls you, the house God calls you to worship in, God has given it a vision and his calling on your life is to tie your individual gifting to the vision he's planted in that house. Hello, somebody. It's not just the pastors and the eldership team or the paid staff that have to be committed to the vision of the house. And so Matthew chapter 12, I'm going to open up uh, this, this sermon today with a, maybe you might think initially a strange scripture to open up a, a sermon with. But when, when you hear the title, I want you to just brace yourself. I've titled the message today, Eat the Frog. 
Matthew chapter 12, watch this, verse 43. When an evil spirit leaves a person, that's a good thing. Everybody say, that's a good thing. If you've ever seen it, that's a good thing. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I'll return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. In order is a good thing. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all, everybody say all, they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Those are not Pastor Don's words. Those are right there. That will be the experience of this generation. The church has made its fancy, its popularity. It's filled its offering baskets. It has stirred us up with the fact that uh, we're living in the end times. And we have heard that, at least I have, since uh, the day I got saved in 1992. We are the last day generation. Man, it pumps you up. You want to be the last ones. Man, we're getting ready. Jesus is coming back. Come on, somebody. And we preach that, it makes for good preaching, it makes for good sermons, it makes for good stirring us up. It makes us feel good that God would consider us the best of the best to be the last. Hello, somebody. And then all of a sudden we wake up one morning and we start experiencing the circumstances of what it looks like to live in the last days. Where the unimaginable has happened, where... Killing babies is an option, a choice. Where what used to be considered things that would destroy our lives and destroy this society that we left in or lived in in such a way that we would make them illegal now or recreational. And yet the church is supposed to sit silent why? Because, you know, we're not going to be here that much longer anyway. Who cares if the world goes to hell in a handbasket because I'm going to heaven in the arms of Jesus? You see, Pastor Don, this is my belief, you write your own commentary, but I'm just going to say this to us as a church because, see, I still think, I think we're still here for a reason. And I think that reason is for influence. Given the current state of the world that we live in, I believe we must take a look at our lives and evaluate where we are investing and who we are. If the last two years have done anything, it has revealed that much of what we have invested our lives in has very little meaning. And so God's people, not the world, the Bible says that judgment must start at the house of God. And if we barely survive, make it, how? That's where it should start. It should start here, who we are. We should know who we are. 
We should know why we are. We should know what we're doing in the time we live in. We must invest our lives in the things that have lasting meaning. We should invest our lives in the things that have impactful meaning. But how? How? Well, Mark Twain has a quote. I love this quote. I love this quote. And Mark Twain said, if you ever have to eat a live frog, it's best done first thing in the morning. Why? Because you can go through the rest of the day knowing that the hardest task is behind you. Now, he's a smart fellow. And if I would ever have to leave, eat a live frog, I, I like that statement. But let's do it and get it over with. Uh, you, you ever know there was something you had to do and it just had to be done, but you didn't want to do it and you kept postponing it all, all, postponing it, postponing it, putting it off, putting it off, putting it off, and putting it off only made the dread of doing it worse. Just get, yeah, just get it over with. Just rip the band-aid. Hello, somebody. I want to say this to us, and I want you to hear me. There's a ladder on this stage for a reason. It's not a very big ladder, but I want you to understand why I didn't pick the biggest ladder. I, I, don't, I really don't mind heights, but... <laughs> uh, Lynette, Lynette will pass out, though. I, yeah. Because I actually believe that sometimes the goal often seems further away than it actually is. You can climb as high as you like on a ladder by starting at the bottom. Now that might be news to you. That might shock. That might be like a revelation. Did you know you can climb as high as you want to on a ladder by starting on the first rung? Did you know that? I mean, like, <clears throat> and here's what I know for sure. If you do little things like they're big things, God will do big things like they're little things. Ask me how I know. Because I've been there. I've been a wreck. My life was ruined. I've been out on the street. Hello, somebody. I've been cold and I've been hungry. I've been abused and neglected. Hello, somebody. And every day of those moments, I didn't want to be where I was at. I was so angry because I was where I was at. And one day I met the Lord Jesus... And basically what the Lord said to me was this. He said, you can sit here and die, or you can get up and walk with me and live. I'll never forget those words. How do you do that? Do the little things like they're big things, and God will do the big things like they're little things. What can I do right now? How can I embrace where I'm at right now? Who am I? See, leadership starts with self-leadership. And I tell all the young men that I get to walk with, if you can't lead yourself, you can't lead anybody. That's where it starts. Leading. Some of you young ladies who are looking at these guys, and, and you know what I'm saying? Like, he can't pull his pants up and comb his hair and barely brush his teeth, and he'd rather spend 12 hours playing video games than one hour with you. 
but you're swooning over him. He can't even pass, he can't even pass a simple test at school, but you're swooning over him like he's God's gift to every woman on earth. He, he can't even get himself out of bed every morning if mama got to wake him up. And then he would send me an email and ask me, How does he become a leader? How, how about this? Get, get up. Just get out of bed. You know, the first thing to winning the day is getting out of the bed. You don't, get, you don't win the day, you don't get out of bed. Even on Friday, I didn't have a thing planned this last Friday. It was a miracle. It was a God-send miracle. Not one thing was on my calendar. And, 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 and about, I got out of bed. I got out of bed. I did, and, and, and I was going to go to the gym, and then I got a text from Bo, and Bo was like, hey, man, I'm not going to make it. And I was like, I already won the day. I got out of bed. I, I, maybe I don't need to go to the gym. <laughs> I'm sitting there at the table. My wife finally gets up, and she says, hey, did you go to the gym? I was like, negative. Then about 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the afternoon, she says, do you have anything you're going to do today? And I was like, It was an epic day. We, we put the Christmas stuff away, but that was fine. Leadership starts with daily habits. Let me tell you something, young men. If you can't lead yourself, don't be chasing her around. You can't lead yourself. She's got more in the hood that God has put in her heart than you can handle. You better leave her alone. Ladies, if he can't get up in the morning and brush his hair, keep his pants pulled up, you better leave him alone. Leadership starts with daily habits. Hello, somebody. Yeah, and everybody that I'm talking to in this room, you're struggling with a situation or circumstance, you want, how do I overcome it? How do I get past it? Whatever. It's so difficult. Man, I'm just struggling with something. Let me tell you what it looks like to me, Pastor Don. This thing that I'm facing is so difficult, it literally makes me feel like i got to eat a live frog. I don't want to do it. That's how much I don't want to do it. It makes me feel like I'm e- i got to eat a live frog. I don't care what circumstance or what situation you're going through, where you find yourself. Maybe you find yourself neglected, broken, thrown away. Maybe you find yourself in in a spiral of sin that you've been struggling to get out of addiction, depression, anxiety. I don't care where you find. Maybe this world has got you stirred to a point where you don't think there's any hope left. Let me tell you something. Every person in this room, young, old, you better listen to me right now. You can repurpose your heart. Your marriage sucks. I said it in a sermon. Don't look at me like that. You were thinking it. You can repurpose your heart. You got to stir some coals. There's a fire that burned there one time before. You got to stir some coals. You got to stir some coals. You got to stir some things up to reignite what was inside of there. You can repurpose your heart. Do you understand me? If your heart is given up, if your heart is fainted away, if your heart is so discouraged, you know what you got to do? You got to do the little things like the big things. They matter. In those moments, the little things matter more than you think they do. If it's just making it through your Bible reading for the day. If it's making it for, through your prayer time for the day. 
The other night in Bible college, a gentleman demonstrated to us 15 seconds of prayer. You can do it. Just pressing through. I do the little things like they're big things, and then I can watch God do the big things like they were nothing. Like they were nothing. We want everybody else's testimony, but we don't want everybody else's test. Oh, that wasn't in the sermon. You better write that down. You can repurpose your heart. You can do that inside of it. I know what some of you are thinking. Oh, Pastor Don, this just is just like some repackaged self-help. No, it's not. Winning the day is stewardship. Come on. And your life and this church's vision needs stewardship. Your life and this church's vision needs stewardship. Absolutely, absolutely it does. It's making the most of our time, making the most of our talent and our treasure for the glory of God. Winning the day is a stewardship issue. How do I eat a frog, Pastor Don? I mean, we all want things to be different in life, and, but the effort to make it happen, man, it's like eating a frog. Come on, somebody. See, y'all don't have them up here, but in Florida, hello, y'all, we used to go frog gigging. And we, we'd go out at night in the swamp close to where I lived, and we weren't looking for the toads. No, no, we're looking for a frog. I'm talking about a bullfrog. And when you hold him up, this guy is, I mean, like his legs, right? They got thighs bigger than chicken drumsticks. We, we, were, we were looking, you reach in the water and you grab that frog and, and he, he is slimy. He is icky. And he's just nasty all over. And you got that thing in your hand and, and you just think, am I really going to eat this? You better bet with everything that's in you right now. I'm going to take that dude home and skin him out, flour him up, and drop him in some oil and eat him. Tastes like chicken that grew up in the swamp, a little muddy. Big old croaking bull. I'm talking, y'all ain't got him. Sometimes you wonder if I need to gig that frog or shoot him with a gun. He's so big. I'm just telling you right now. Man, to change things, Pastor Don, it just feels like that's what it, I got to eat that frog raw. Let me tell you something. Here's what I did to change my life. And here's what, as an eldership team, we look at a vision of our church. We, we put three things into motto. Is it measurable? Is it meaningful? And is it maintainable? Let me break it down. Make it measurable. Once anything is measurable, it's manageable. What's your gift? Where are you at in life? And how is that connected to the house that God has called you to worship in? Anything that is measurable is manageable. And I need you to understand, if you call this place home, if this is the house God has called you to, 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 to grow and be discipled and to release your gift and, and to add some impact and meaning to the world around you, our church's vision is measurable. Play that, please. 
the vision of our church is something that God spoke to us early on as a leadership team, and that is that uh, the test of our church would truly be the effectiveness of the people who call themselves the members of our church to live out their faith in the community. So it was very simple to us to be the people of God in the community to impact the community. And so touching the community then would be a simple byproduct of living our faith out where we are with God moving through us. So what are the core values of Firm Foundation Ministries? And uh, those are the things that we focus on each day. Uh, discipleship, the healing of wounded hearts, equipping people and training people to take their part in the kingdom of God, and, and to lay the true foundation of the kingdom in our community, which fulfills our scripture, 1 Corinthians 3.11, for other foundation can no man lay then that is late, which is Jesus Christ. And so combining this with the background of a spirit-led ministry allows us to celebrate God's love by his presence through worship, through the dynamic preaching of the word of God, through ministry time that uh, occurs here in our corporate worship. And so together what we're doing is we're discovering that God is uniquely equipping each of us to uh, be used for His glory in our community. Our vision is measurable. And anything that's measurable can be manageable. Thirteen dominoes. Now you can stack hundreds of thousands of dominoes close enough to each other and knock them all down, touching one. I need you to hold that. As a matter of fact, the dominoes are so easy to knock down but oftentimes the most difficult part is standing them up. I'm not done, but I am setting you up. If we make the goal measurable, then we make it manageable. If we make it manageable, we can move in and make it meaningful. I want to encourage everyone in this church to find your why. If you're struggling in a situation or circumstance, find your why. Why? Why am I struggling here? And why do I want it to be different? When you find the why of why you want it to be different, now, 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 come on somebody, now, 
you're moving. What if the why has nothing to do with you and everything to do with who you are for someone else? You see, here's what I've learned in my own life, being a selfish person, that life isn't just about me. It's about the third and fourth generation. This church cannot afford to think that our vision is even just about right now. If Jesus tarries, this group's got to carry it on. And if Jesus tarries, this group's got to carry it on. And if Jesus tarries, that Bible memory group's got to carry it on. And if Jesus tarries, the children's little bitty, the toddler room, y'all got to hear me. See, I, I got to see something. I may not be here to see it physically, but in my mind, I can see the why. I can see the why. I can see the whole why why we're here right now is because the church is here to reveal the glory of God, not yesterday. But right now, life's about being a blessing. And, and you've got to find your why and look at it every day. You've got to find your why and look at it every day. Listen, when, when my wife and I were fixing our marriage, we couldn't take our eyes off of each other. Why? Because that was our why. That's what we're pressing into. The reason you get distracted is because you lose your why. Make it maintainable. How about this, right? It's okay to dream big. Listen, but you got to start small. Don't despise the day of small beginnings. You can write a, you can write a book by writing two pages a day. And in 90 days, you're going to write a book. You, 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 you are capable of more than you imagine. But listen to me, church. Consistency beats intensity seven days a week and twice on Sunday. And that's the problem. We're not consistent till the end. Till the end. Those who endure till the end shall be. Some of y'all know the scripture. going to do it for a day and then you can do it all over again all right come on church that's how every goal is accomplished right the good news is anybody can do anything for a day see Je listen jesus says something that i find fascinating when he says when an impure spirit comes out of someone it goes through arid places seeking rest and doesn't find it and then it says i'll return to the house i left and when it arrives it finds it unoccupied swept and clean and put in order then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself and they go in and live there and the final condition of that person is worse than the first and he ends that portion of scripture by saying that will be the experience of this evil generation let me ask you the obvious question why is this person worse off they got that one demon now they got eight i mean one devil's bad enough but eight come on that's why they're worse off simple math pastor don let me tell you why they're worse off because they didn't cultivate daily disciplines necessary to back up divine deliverance. No. They didn't cultivate daily disciplines to back up divine deliverance. 
Listen, when I got delivered from a pornography addiction 30 years ago, you got to develop daily disciplines that don't let you go back. But see, the Bible says that as a dog goes back to its vomit, so doth a man go back to his sin. There's a person in this room that isn't repulsed by that thought. We've all been woken up in the middle of the night with our dog, come on, doing the, get out, get out, get out. And then as soon as they, they just go right back in your list, like, ah, ah, don't do that. But yet the Bible says that that's what happens to us when we don't cultivate daily disciplines to back up divine deliverance. God is a delivering God. God is a delivering God. God is a miracle working God. God can do anything. There is nothing beyond God's ability uh, to work and do miracles when our hearts are, are pliable, when we press in and we join God in what he's doing. If you want God to do the super, do the natural. Come on, church. Now hold that thought as I move through this because I, you don't overcome just by not doing things that keep you defeated, okay? You don't do that. You don't do that, right? Now, sure, I mean, it might work for a week or for four weeks or whatever, but it, it's not a long-term solution, right? So watch, watch this. Breno, do something spontaneous. Look, he can't do it. He's just like, what, 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 what? I work with this guy every day. <laughs> well, um, you were about to do, you were trying to figure it out, what were you going to do, right? Like, I, Juliana, what was he going to do? He had no idea. Can you believe, she, this, listen, you guys think you got a, a wife with you. She calls her husband out in the middle of worship and says he is high maintenance. <laughs> Come on, I'm sorry. Listen, it's, hey, if you a newly married husband and you ain't high maintenance for time with your wife, just come to my office. We'll talk about this thing later. But <clears throat> Doug, don't think about the Jolly Green Giant. That song just popped in your head, didn't it? Right, right. Just every one of y'all just thought about that, right? Like. <laughs> right there you go right that's what happened i told you not to do that see that creates a no-win situation and the same goes for living in defeat i wish eating a frog was as easy as just saying no but it ain't what's the solution win the day you see, you need a vision bigger and better than the struggle. You need a vision bigger and better than the struggle. If your struggle is a financial issues, you need a vision bigger than the struggle of overspending. In other words, you, you, need, you need a vision bigger than an 85-inch TV that you can't afford. That you sit in front of and watch stuff you ought not to. Hello, somebody. You need a vision bigger than the struggle, right? What is the vision? What is it? Listen, parents, if you're struggling with your kids, what's the vision bigger than the struggle? 
Listen, married people, if you're struggling, what's the vision bigger than the struggle? Listen, right, right, if you're struggling with depression and anxiety, what's the vision bigger than the struggle, right? What's the vision? You need a vision bigger than the struggle. Therefore, you start investing yourself into things beyond the struggle. Show me your habits, and I'll know what you're invested in. You've you, you got to reinvest your time, your talent, your treasure into vision. You've got to give your life to meaningful impact. Listen to me, church. God wants you to belong to a house of vision, not so that you can just take up space on a membership roll. God wants you to belong to a house of vision, not just so that house can meet financial goals. Listen, I, I'm going to preach here on tithing. Y'all know it's coming. I do it every year this time of year. Don't freak out. I know, beat me with a stick. I hate preaching on it. I just feel like if I got to talk you into giving, somebody else got to talk you, they'll talk you right out of it. Tithing is, an, is, is a stewardship issue. I cannot wait to show you a piece of paper somebody sent me. Someone actually took my challenge. You know that challenge that I lay out that y'all going to hear it? Oh, it's so good. And, and they literally wrote, this is not possible. Hello, somebody. Show me your habits. I'll show you what you're invested in. God knew this. And so he said in Deuteronomy, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. And he's one God, right? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words that I'm commanding you today in this heart. See, the question uh, is this, right? How, how do I keep them in my heart? How do I put them into practice? Well, he, he got finished. He goes on to say, recite them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're away, when you lie down, when you rise. Well, Y'all not ready. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house, of your gates. You see, God doesn't just give commands. He couples those commands with daily rituals. Getting up, lying down. Daily, everybody does it. Everybody. Getting up, lying down. God couples his commands with daily rituals. Why? Because those rituals functions as reminders. There's some stuff you adults are speaking to your kids and you wonder why they can't think straight or why they don't know what's going on or why they're confused about what the world looks like and who they should trust they can't even trust you you should be speaking the word of god to them this is what god said about you this is what god called you to do this is what i see inside of you and watch how that coupled with the word of god look what god has put in your heart and your life pursue that and how can i help you when they're not pursuing it, it's okay. It's okay to say negative. I, can't, I cannot believe the amount of full-grown adults that are terrified to tell children no. No. And I don't have to explain it. This is what you're going to do. Oh, Pastor Don, that's horrible. I can't make them go to youth group. Let us force them 
to go do something. I can't do that. I can't make them go to church. That's not the attitude you got on Monday morning when they don't want to go to school. It's not up for debate. Get in the car, get on the bus. If you miss the bus, I will drag you behind the car to the school. You are going. But when it comes to church, that's the one place where everything, everything is debatable. I want this house to be full of young people. I want to be in their life. I want to know who they are. I want to know the way they think. I want to make fun of them, and I want them to make fun of me. And they do. I want to hear what God's speaking to them. I want to hear what God has put into their life. I, I want, I, a church that don't have no young people in it long for these, this earth. And it's ineffective in its days. And there's definitely any plan for legacy. Recite them to your children. What are we speaking to our kids? Are we treating our kids like the world treats them? Are we, are we speaking life to them? Are we building them up? It says speak the scripture to them when they're at home, when they're away, when they lay down, when they get up. Put it as a sign on your hand. Here, let me give you something right here. Put it on your forehead, not so you can see it, so they can. It's all right there. It's just Bible, but I know that bothers people. Do it, put it on the doorpost of your house. They can't walk in the house or they can't leave the house without seeing the Word of God. And forgive us for putting it on the dinner plate. You can't eat until you see the Word. Instead, we'll let video games teach them that abuse and violence is okay. And we'll stand in line for days and spend thousands of dollars so something else can entertain them. And we wonder why we lost this world. Here's the good news. Y'all ready for good news? Somebody say amen. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I got some good news, right? You Don't tell me you don't do it. Don't tell me you don't tie things to ritual. You pray for you eat. Even if it's just, Lord, thank you. Here we go, Right? You give your spouse a hug when you come home at the end of the day. If you don't, try it. You might like it. Show me your habits, and I'll show you your future because over time you become the sum total of your habits. Nothing blesses me more than when young people come up to me and say, Pastor Don, I saw my daddy reading his Bible. Pastor Don, my mom prayed with me, and God spoke this to me. You know what blesses me almost as much as what God spoke to them? The fact that their testimony is, my mama prayed for me. Come on, somebody. Somebody say amen when I say this. Bad habits always come back to bite us. I don't have all day. I want you to say amen to this too. Good habits always come back to bless us. Do you know that coming to church is a good habit? That's a good habit. It is a good habit. It's a really good habit. You, you know why I believe it's a good habit? Not just because I like to see you. Not because I'm in ministry. 
But see, there's a very famous person in the, in the Bible that the Bible says was his habit. The Bible says Jesus went to the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus went to church. He had a habit of going to church. Now when Jesus got to church, there was sometimes good stuff. Sometimes, hello somebody. Sometimes it was reading from a scroll. Sometimes it was turning over tables. Sometimes it was beating people with a whip. But church was exciting when Jesus showed up. Can you see a new synagogue that heard about all the stuff that had previously happened at the other synagogues that Jesus been to? And they see Jesus walking up the steps of that synagogue and all the elders of the church are going, hold on to something, y'all. Here it goes. Man, church ought to be like that. It was his custom. It's right there in your Bible. I don't have a trick Bible. Jesus went to church as was his custom. He went unbelievable man you're just a bible thumper you're just a holy roller you just go to church every time why do you do that all the time why do you just go to church all the time I'm just trying to be like jesus well you don't have to go to church to be like jesus i mean that's not what the bible said <laughs> it's not you don't have to go to church to be like Jesus. Let me ask you something. How can you love Jesus and not love what he loves? Jesus loves the church. Ask me how I know. Ask me how I know. How can we be like Jesus and not love what he loves? You know why I love this church? Because Jesus loves this church. Come on. I'm just preaching to somebody this morning. I hope it's sitting right in because it's good. Listen, you cannot break the law of measure. You can't do it. You cannot break the law of measure. I'm just going to put it. I'm just an old country boy who grew up farming pigs, watermelons, and peanuts. But the law of measure will make you or break you. Because, and even Jesus says, with what measure you measure, you will be measured. And simply put this, you get what you put in. And see, there's no withdrawal without investment. The, the problem is we're investing our lives in things that will never return anything to our lives. I, I'm just, I, you know, people, I, I cannot tell you the criticism I got when a few people I, uh, learned that, that I asked Breno, what you doing in the ninth grade? You going to play in the NBA? No. You going to pastor a church one day? That's what I want to do more than anything in my life. And what you doing here? I was rude. Let the boy have some fun. We've been chasing devils. We've had a lot of fun, haven't we? Come on. The, the, the problem is we're investing our lives. I'm not saying sports are bad. Oh, please don't send me another email. I play them. I've got a lot of surgery on my body because I like sports. Last year, softball cost me The problem is we're investing our lives in things that don't return anything. Parents, you, listen, kids play sports, but they don't define you. They are not who you are, and they should not. They should not take priority in your life over the things that God has put in your heart. Parents, you're running yourself ragged, dragging your kids to stuff that won't return anything to their life. Kids, you're giving your life to people and things that only suck the life out of your soul. 
God has given us all something that we can invest our lives in and he's given it to us together that will not only enrich us personally, but it will change the face of the planet. It's our church. And parents, this church has everything your kids need to prepare them for life. Yes. So drop their unhappy little self off at youth group. They will get over it. As soon as they get some pizza, pop, and candy, they're going to be happy. Young people, I need you to listen to me because I'm getting old. And I know one day the calling of my life will be like John the Baptist. I've got a decrease. And this church doesn't want to suck the life out of you, young people. This church, the leaders of this church want to give you God's anointing with unlimited access to God's spirit so that you can walk in the glory and the power of God and shake this earth for who he is. Ultimately, how you do anything is how you'll do everything. We want faith to move mountains, and I'm going to talk about it again. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it till Jesus comes back. But we don't have faith for a dime on a dollar. You can't win life, young people, if you don't win the day. And to be fair, I don't want to over-spiritualize the idea of habit formation, but there's something theological about it in my mind. Right? There's something spiritual about it. Because the battle is lost or won in the mind. Uh, Solomon said, as a man thinks in his mind, your thinker matters. So be careful what you let people put in it. Be careful. What you, and if you don't believe that it's more important to think biblically now, let me just give you some illustrations. Yesterday, next to the island of Tonga, where Big Dave is from, Y'all, money, y'all don't know him, but he owns the gym we go to. Somebody y'all know him. A volcano under the ocean next to that island blew up yesterday. The earth is shaking and groaning in brokenness. And that volcano was so powerful that from the edge of the Philippines... The water washed up on the California shore. South Carolina, in particular around Columbia, where my mother lives and my, my little sister lives, they have had 12 earthquakes in the last two and a half weeks. This morning, Spartanburg, South Carolina, has five inches of snow, and Michigan don't have any. Ha! <laughs> Glory to God! <laughs> Some of y'all, and I know my Carolina people watching, I'm sorry. <laughs> they called me, pray for us. I'm like, what you gonna get tonight? We get every day. What is it? Pray for you. Oh, glory. They got, they don't, they don't have no salt. They don't have no trucks. What are we gonna do? <laughs> they got nothing. I'm like, oh, you poor people. The battle 
one's lost or one in the mind, how you think is very important. And this vision of this house tied with the gifting of your life needs to be your why. Know your why, put it in front of you. This is who we are. This is what we're doing. I'm connected to something that's greater than who I am. And in my struggle, I can look to something that is greater than my struggle, and I can start right here, right here, and begin to move where I want to be. We're so intimidated by the top that sometimes we don't start. As a man thinks, so is he. Listen, you got to fill out that application. They ain't going to hire me. How do you know? You got to make that first appointment. You got to check off that first box. You got to do that first workout. I so desperately want abs. I have one. I have one ab. And I, and I am on that ab machine at Big Dave's, and I'm crunching, and I'm crunching, and I'm crunching, and, and I'm like 100 abs a day. I can do it. I'm going to have a six-pack in 90 days. It's been five years, y'all. <laughs> I still have one ab. My problem is, is I like little Debbie cakes. And Big Dave keeps telling me, PD, you got abs. Underneath all that. <laughs> and so Big Dave says, you got to lose the first pound. I don't just eat a frog. Listen, I'm telling you what, that's what we do. We'll just name slimy old bullfrogs, little Debbies. Problem solved. Thirteen dominoes. It's harder to set them up than it is to knock them over. Watch this. I have 13 dominoes. Y'all not ready. You, you're not ready. But I, I did a little science. I did a little science. I like Science, the definition of science is what you can see. That's what science is. Everything else is theory. Science is what you can see. Now, the pressure for one domino to knock over the second domino is this. 0.024 joules of energy. I can't do it. I don't, I don't know what a joule of energy is. I barely know what a watt is. I just know if you stick your finger in a light socket, it ain't going to be pleasant. <laughs> but math says... 0 0.024 joules of energy. Math always also says that by the time that 0 0.024 joules of energy gets to the 13th domino, the potential energy is 2 billion with a B times greater than the first. My point, don't despise small beginnings. Win the day, and you win the journey. Win the day, and you win the journey. Win the day, 
Y'all not helping me. A a two-inch domino, it seems insignificant. But the extrapolation of energy across the time has an exponential effect. Don't despise small beginnings. Because you can never measure the effect. The same is true for who we are. They keep telling me that if I'll do my age in sit-ups every day, sooner or later I'll have a six-pack. They keep telling me that. They tell me that if I write 100 words a day or maybe two pages a day, sooner or later I'll write a book. I got a few ideas. They tell me every decision that I make, every action that I take, has a domino chain reaction. You see, we overestimate what we can accomplish in a single day, but we always underestimate what God can accomplish in a year or two. Consistency beats intensity seven days a week and twice on Sunday. This church is where we are because 25 years ago, a few people decided to just be consistent. And there's a lot of things that I said, I don't have a vision for that, that I have discovered in those times that whether I had a vision for it or not, God did. Why? Compound interest is incredible in our lives. Give it enough time and it will transform who you are. Are you with me? That's why I say, listen, we want to read the Bible one day and then fuss that our lives didn't change. What I say to you is you got to read your Bible every day. And it will transform the way you think. That's why the Bible says let your mind be renewed by the water, the washing of the word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not. The word is a delight. You're right, like your law is delight, right? Uh, and, and it says med- these things, write these, meditate on these things day and night. That thou mayest observe to do all according to what is written therein, for then thou wilt have good success. It's right there. Meditate on these things day and night, right? Listen, I need you to grab a hold of this. Give it enough time, right? All of a sudden, somebody's going to be writing a book here late. Dave Ramsey, debt-free, may seem like $100,000 away. What can you do when you don't owe anything? Anything you want. Imagine if every person in this church was debt-free. There'd be no stopping us. We got some numbers that are coming up for you, but I need you to understand, right? Like, what we do with just the little bit that God gives us is incredible. But see, it's not as incredible as saying, man, a 17-year relationship that has been dysfunctional. Reconciling it might be impossible. (laughs) 
You see, we focus on the goal so much that sometimes it seems so far away that we don't even start. We give up before we begin. This church and the vision of your eldership team is to plant a region of churches. That means we're going to need a region of preachers and prophets and worship leaders, children's workers. Come on, somebody. We, we, are, we are, listen, in the last few months, I've, I literally, the Lord literally spoke to me and said, go look at church buildings that closed and buy them. We've been thinking about where do we plant the next church? What if God's already got that figured out? They're just an empty building setting for some of y'all to show up. Go find empty church buildings. There are buildings that shut down that aren't going anywhere anymore. They're going to sit there and rot. Listen, what's wrong with us buying it? I know some people about to freak out right now. They're falling on the floor like a Pentecostal. I'm not saying we're doing it tomorrow. But God once had a vision there. That's the reason there's a house there. And for some reason... What's wrong, church? What's wrong with our youth preaching and leading worship? What's wrong? What's wrong with what we're doing? Come on, right? If you focus on the outcome, the finish line seems so far away that we'll be tempted to quit before we... How are we going to plant a region of churches? Listen, that is not my business. My business is right there. And I got no business going here until I go there. Uh, are you with me? See, and this is it. And this is why your eldership team and I are saying to you, we need you. We need who you are. We need you to focus. I need you to focus. This is just true for any challenge, isn't it, right? You've got to slice a pie into pieces. I mean, unless it's peanut butter pie, you can just eat the whole thing. It's all right, right? Or German, you know, Norman Schwartz German chocolate cake. Don't cut that into pieces. What's wrong with you? Just get a fork. A gallon of milk, just... Here we go. My wife's like, are you going to cut some? No, I'm not cutting slices out of that. What about, what about you know, other I'm sorry about other people's luck. They ain't getting none. <laughs> Identify. Lead measures. And it will produce a desired outcome for the day. You understand this, church? You understand? My, my 10-year-old, Kelly 10? Oh, 11. My 11-year-old granddaughter came up to me the other day, and she said to me, she, sometimes she sings on the worship team. And Anne Renee and Eddie, and they've recognized a gift in her, and they've like, all right. And so she doesn't play sports, so she can come to worship practice. She's 11 years old. Hey, you shouldn't let kids on stage. Well, your church is dying because you want to keep kids away. She came up to me the other day. I was over at her house. She came up to me. She said, Poppy, I had to change a poopy diaper in children's church the other day. And I was like, you did? She said, it was bad. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
an 11-year-old in our church was working the nursery because we didn't have enough volunteers. You know what I said to her? Thank you for serving. It was nasty, wasn't it? And she said, Ugh. You know what I said to her? Welcome to the ministry. <laughs> Come on! How do we serve each other? How are we going to change the world if we don't serve each other? How are we going to buy church buildings that have been closed if we can't give in? Come on, somebody. How are we going to disciple? I'm just asking you to get involved. I'm asking you to believe in the vision of the house that God has called you to. I'm asking us to focus because the finish line can often seem daunting. But listen to me, church, together, if you and I do this, then we can do that. So, are you with me, church? And then we're here and here. Y'all are helping me today. I don't know how to tell you this. Right? It all comes down. If I can do it for a day, I can do it. If I can do it for a day, I can make it measurable. I can make it meaningful. I can make it maintainable. Then with a flick of the finger. Glory to God. I want to be, I know the elders in my office this morning, I was like, I'm about to lose my mind. I want to be attached to some men of God that are on fire, who realize that God has called us for now, not to hide and cower behind stuff, but to stand out front and declare the glory of God, to preach with fire, to preach with conviction, to preach with boldness, to stand in the face of the enemy and say, my God is bigger than yours. Tell me I gotta close my church while football stadiums are packed? You have lost your mind. Not one person required to wear a mask. Not one person required to have a vaccine to go into those football stadiums on Saturdays and Sundays. Hundreds and thousands of people every weekend. Just say, you wanna tell you why? Because of money. All of a sudden, they don't care about what they say they care about. And you want me to be hindered about Sunday? Church is not the problem. Church is the answer. And the vision of this house is for the glory of God. <laughs> Eat the frog. And the devil can kiss my big toe. I believe in who we are, not just because I'm the pastor and I get paid to say that. I believe in who we are because I see the glory of God on your life. I see the miracles of God happen inside of who you are, and that's not coincidence. God just doesn't move that way because he ain't got anything else to do. The cumulative effect of every one of you and me Every one of us, you and me, that's not good English, but just winning the day, it pays dividends for the vision of this house. And it leaves us with an inheritance for all eternity. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what I'm saying? I, I, I just need, stop hanging out with people who don't believe in the good, God in your, uh, the good hand of God in your life. Stop it. They're not your friends. They're not your friends. Pastor Don's your friend. This eldership team's your friend. You ain't always going to like us. Because sometimes we might encourage you and ask you, we might encourage you, encourage you and ask you, why 11-year-olds changing poopy divers in this church? 
12. Okay, she's 12. Oh, is it chill? All right. That, they're watching online, so they just corrected that. Callie is 12. I, I'm, see, I don't want to say she's 12 because that just means I'm old. 38-year-old daughter, 21-year-old granddaughter. This is why I'm saying y'all got to get on board. <laughs> Devin, I need you to believe God's called you. I need you to believe that. And I need you to believe that more than the struggle that causes you to believe that you'll never overcome what you're wrestling with. I need you to believe that. Let me tell you why Juliana can pick on her husband like that. Because she knows he's a man who waited for her. She won the day. There she is over there. I'm just saying, church, I want you to stand with me. Stand with me. Come on, stand with me. It's time to be done. I get it. My daddy used to say, being a part of a family has benefits. Now, we weren't rich people, so <laughs> it wasn't a lot of, hello, somebody. But I never went hungry. I always slept inside. You know what I'm saying? But also being part of family means responsibility. That means you got to own. You got to own what you are. And my daddy never, ever, 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 ever was afraid to look at me when I walked out the door and say, remember to who you belong. That means don't go out there and act a fool. There's something about this house that you have to represent when you leave this house. Hello, somebody. My dad is known in our community not for a rich man or not for any of those things. He's, he's known for his word. And I, I remember people say, oh, you're Terry Smith's word. That meant something. Or Terry Smith's son. That meant something. People didn't even know my name because my dad kept his word. If somebody was, had something broken, dad could fix it. He, just, he never charged anybody for that. Just fix it. Remember who you belong to. Remember whose you are. That's what it was. Remember whose you are. Now go out there and make a fool of yourself. Because I will know about it before you get back to this house. And y'all better believe he did. I can't believe it. Like, how do you know? I'd go out there and play an idiot and I'd get home and dad would be able to tell me the details. I'd get away with nothing. Let me tell you, church. If God has called you to a house, you belong. Everybody say, I belong. You belong. And it's more than a membership. It's more than a tithe envelope. It's, it's more, you belong. And there's responsibility with belonging. Own the vision. Invest your life in it. It'll make your life meaningful. I guarantee you. Eat the frog. Eat it. And the worst is behind you. It is. It's just, I'm just making this decision right now. I just made a decision. I just made a decision. You know, I asked little Callie, I said, would you change diapers again? She said, sure. 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 And then she did a cartwheel and, you know, she was gone. I was like, it, it must not have stunk that bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure. And I said to the Lord, I wish my obedience to you was that simple. Just, sure. 
Now I'm going to go off. Lord, can I have that kind? Can I repurpose my heart that way, Jesus? Can I? Can I? Can I? Last week, Clay Hall operated in the gift of the Spirit as a young man. And he had the confidence to do that because he'd been in my discipleship class where I taught specifically how all this stuff works and what the Scripture looks like. And he spent six months of his life listening to me. And when God moved, boom. Investment means something. I could go on and on and on. I could go on and on and on. But I'm not going to today because I need you to understand. Every one of us in this room have something that we know we need to do. But we don't want to do it because it's like eating a frog. Make a decision. Watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. Father, we bless you today. You are so good to us. We worship you in this place. We thank you for your goodness. You have spoke to us today in a powerful way. So Lord, we receive this word. Let it sink in our hearts. Produce fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Sing this song with us. What you can do, oh God of wonders. Come on, church. The power has no end. Things you've done before, in greater measure, you will do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? There's no prison war you can break through. Come on, church.
Hallelujah. There's so much for us as a church to look forward to. I'm going to close with this. This past week, I was on a Zoom call with over 150 pastors. And I left that Zoom call so discouraged. Not my own spirit, but for them. And I said, why? God, why can it not be the way it is in Centerville? Where's your presence, God? Can you fill their house? And I found myself praying for each and every one of them. Pray, fill their house with your glory, God. Fill your house with their glory. Start in their heart. Revive them. And I sent some emails afterwards, and I'm like, man, I got a, I got a word. I got an encouraging word for us. God's not done with us. God's not done with us. The last two, two years has not had the ability to destroy the body of Christ. God is not done with us. We're just getting started. Amen? We're just getting started. And um, because of that, I've got a meeting Tuesday. So pray with me. <laughs> It'll be all right. It's good. It's good. Father, bless us. Thank you for our, your heart. We give you glory and honor for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? All right. One, two things. February 6th, Breno is going to speak directly to the young people of this church. I mean, that's middle school, high school, uh, young people, uh, the heart of legacy. February 13th is our dessert auction. That is also Super Bowl Sunday. All the money for our dessert auction goes to the youth group because the youth group asks nothing from us in a budget. And so I'm asking you to come prepared to give, buy some dessert, amen, for your Super Bowl party. And I know that maybe a cake isn't worth $300, but these young people are. Now, let me, let, me just, let me just bless you. Last year, the dessert auction in one afternoon raised $17,000. They're going on mission trips with this money. They're impacting the world with this money. They're doing those things. And so I want you to come prepared to give uh, and uh, come prepared to outbid each other. Amen? And have a little fun. God bless you. Have a good day. Turn around and tell your neighbor, eat the frog. Joseph. Joseph.